Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I have a couple of topics to talk about. This is finally a game day. Had a bit of a break here, had a blue game, but the Thunder, they're back in action, so I'm giving you a preview for their Mavericks game. Blue, they're also playing, giving a preview of their game versus the Raptors 905. But I'm also going to be talking about some other things. The fans not being allowed for the rest of the season. Dort and Maladone and them being announced into the Rising Stars game. And I'm also going to touch up a little bit more on Ty Jerome. So just getting right into it, why not start out with the fan situation? So the Thunder announced that they are not going to have any fans going in the Chesapeake Energy Arena for the remainder of the season. They are one of 13 teams who either have said just straight up no fans are going to be allowed for the remainder of the season or they just have not made a ruling yet. 13 teams. 17 of them, they're allowing limited capacity. So over 50%, but OKC, they want to play it safe. And I know that it kind of sucks. Like, I want to go watch the Thunder play. It's so fun watching them on TV. Like, you know, why not be able to watch it? But they just want to be safe. So, I mean, it's their call on it. They have not made an announcement on the 2021-2022 season yet. But the hope is that they will have some sort of um, limited capacity. I don't know what percent it would be. But the hope is they're going to be able to fill fans up. So, they made that call... I don't think they're going to backtrack on that. You know, they already made it pretty adamant to begin the season. They said they would check back up around this time. And I guess they passed it along officials. And, you know, they just decided the best move was to hold off until next year. So we're not going to see that. Other neighboring teams, like in Texas, they have it allowed. I know that for the original um, game, I think the Rockets, whenever they were playing in Houston, you could you could go to that one. It got postponed. I don't know if anyone actually went to that game from Oklahoma, but that would have sucked. Um, but yeah, that's probably your best bet if you actually want to go. So Texas Thunder fans, you're good. A lot of these other areas, you're good. Not going to see any action in the peak though. So that's going on. But one pretty positive thing, Lou Dort and Teo Maladone getting announced into the Rising Stars game. So this came in around midday Thursday and as we all know all-star weekend it always has a rookie sophomores or USA versus world challenge now they scrapped the rookie versus sophomores thing probably like 2011 2012 and they replaced it with like Charles Barkley versus Chris Webber for a couple years that was just terrible and then they just put in this USA versus world thing and they've stuck with it for I think this is the fifth or sixth season this would be going on it's not gonna be able to happen though due to health and safety they don't want to have every event going on so it's just gonna be this all-star game and the halftime show that's when you're gonna be able to see the dunk contest going on and I don't know exactly when the three-point contest is slotted at but I know that's gonna happen too they just phased out that not gonna see that not gonna see any sort of celebrity game however they did want to list members of each roster who are deserving of the award so nba top shot which is pretty much just a trading card company online trading card company for the league it's backed by them they were the ones who got to announce this and they've really just been supporting this group heavily they're selling like online cards like of highlight clips 
So a Lou Dort layup, like reverse layup, that sells for $2,000. So you pull these packs, and and I'm not 100% bought into this system. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but you wait in this gigantic queue, like 100 to 200,000 people. There's a drop of 25,000 packs, and if you get one of those, you're pretty much set up to get a pretty good card. So you have the Dort cards flying off the shelves. So you got Giannis cards that are going for upwards of $100,000. Now, the likelihood it gets bought there, I don't know. They're pretty much just trying to use this as a trading card, but also like cryptocurrency almost, which is kind of wild. So they're just going full throttle with this thing, and why not let them announce something, get more traction going to their website, and more revenue coming in and out of the league. So they reported everything in a blog post. And on the world team, you got Lou Dort and Teo Maladone. So Lou Dort... He's from Canada. Maladone, he is from France. You get two people there. And they're going to be coupled with names on the world roster, such as RJ Barrett, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura is going to be on there as well. And you also have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who he's SGA's cousin. So SGA was in last season. Now he's out because this is his third year, only rookies and sophomores. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, sophomore year. Fill him right in. You still got the lineage going in from the Gilgis Alexander, Alexander Walker family, whatever it is. They're going to be there and they're going to be paired up together with, you know, Dort and Maladon. So that's cool. On the USA side of things, there's a lot of names. You got LaMelo Ball, Zion, Ja Morant, James Wiseman's on there. MPJ's going to be on the team. Heroes there. And then you sprinkle it in with, People like Anthony Edwards, Halliburton, DeAndre Hunter, and Keldon Johnson. Pretty big lineup there. This would have been a great game to watch. I mean, typically when you look at these rosters, you're like, oh my goodness, the USA has to win, right? That's not actually how it works most of the time. Good a chunk of these games the world would have taken, and this would have been really just great seeing Lou Dort trying to clamp up on LaMelo Ball or whoever it may be. They have There's a lot of just flamethrower guys offensively for this team you got Morant LaMelo Zion the list keeps on going MPJ who went off so shut them down and then you got Maladone who can prove himself against people that were mocked way higher than him just kill Tyrese Halliburton LaMelo Ball get him out of the way who cares 34th pick he's playing out of his mind and that's why he is on the roster so very great for them and this actually marks the second time that the Thunder have gotten two players on one of these groups. And I'm talking USA and World Team combined. Only other time this happened was in 2017. And this was the Russell Westbrook MVP season. So Sabonis was on the team. But also Alex Abrines snuck in there to make the roster. Sabonis, Lithuania. And then Abrines, he was from Spain. So, you tie it there. However, you might want to give an edge to this one because Dort and Maladone, they were just first selections. There were no replacements here. Abrines had to replace Joel Embiid in that season because, as you all know, Embiid couldn't last more than like three games to start out his NBA career. So, he got in there. This is the first time you've seen two players announced with no replacements at all. So, they deserve it completely. Dort right now. He's averaging 12.5 points, 3.4 rebounds, 
1.5 assists, and he's one of the best defenders in the entire league. You saw him on the defensive player ladder like last week, sneaking in at number five. I think he's dropped off the list now, but he's still in that grouping. And, you know, talking to different people, a lot of them will say Lou Dort's in the top five anyway. So he's clearly in that top bracket of players. He's an elite defender. And then Maladon, he's looked so amazing as a playmaker and a shooter. Great next to SGA. His numbers of 7.7 points, 2.8 rebounds, and 3.3 assists may not look too crazy, but it's not like he has the ball in his hands all the time. He works with what he has, and the fact he's able to garner these stats is just amazing. Only playing like 25 minutes, started really as just a preseason standout. You didn't know exactly where he would mark up in this roster. Dagnall mentioned he could have been in the G League at a time here. No need for that because of how great he's been. And now look at him. He's pretty much a lock to stay in this starting lineup because the assumption is George Hill is going to be out the door by the trade deadline. So it looks like he has kind of gotten in on this starting shooting guard position and he's just going to continue to grow. So the NBA, they got to tip their cap to both of these players. They have looked great and 100% deserving. I don't really think there's much call for any snubs here. I think the only ones you could try to bargain for are like Jay Sean Tate or something for the U.S. side because he's been good for the Houston Rockets. And also like Matisse Thibel maybe for the world team. I don't know exactly. He may have been in this one last year. And I've heard that he may be like Australian. So I guess, yeah, I mean, he'd work there. The only person you could probably kick out of this roster is is Compazzo from the Nuggets. He's 29 years old, rookie, with a lot of, you know, punctuation marks around that thing because he's played in Europe forever. He was one of the best point guards out there. So he comes in. He's pretty much a veteran, but, you know, he meets, he meets that criteria. So there you go. Compazzo's there. I think those are probably the only two that have any validity to him. So, yeah. I mean, great for them. And Al Horford, he spoke pregame today about these guys and he was very happy he said that it's a great honor and he's very happy for both of them Lou and Teo and he says that Lou he just continues to grow and Teo he continues to impress us continues to take steps he is a very hard worker without a doubt both of them have been amazing and this is coming from Horford a dude who in his rookie and sophomore year was just a sensation he made the rookie sophomore game both times in 2008 and 2009 so great to hear that I know everyone around him around both of them are going to be really excited and hopefully this is just a sign of more good things to come for the both of them and even though they're not going to participate in the game you'd have to think this accolade at least to some degree, could maybe, you know, help them out a little bit. If I got a you know, award like this, yeah, I'd be boosted up. So maybe they can kind of ride along this and continue to grow just through the season and throughout the years with the team. So great for them. And, you know, just keep the ball rolling with both of them. They've looked amazing. Moving on to Ty Jerome, though, I think I did already make an episode on this, but I, I was talking about why Ty Jerome fits so well. Uh, moving from the OKC Blue to the OKC Thunder. I'm just going to kind of briefly talk about that once again and just reiterate some of my points. So if you've already heard this before, probably should not take this long. But yeah, anyways, Ty Jerome 
Playing for the OKC Blue, he was not that amazing when it came to the stats. There were probably five guys who I would say were outplaying him. He averaged like 12 points, three and a half rebounds, and like 3.4 assists or something. And the reason those numbers really were able to translate to the next level, like he averaged, he's been averaging close to double digits, I believe. And passing-wise, he's looked better than he has than he was with OK, like the OKC Blue. And it all comes down to the situation he was under. And it's just how it's worked for every guard with this Blue team. They are very focused on getting the bigs involved. I know Moses Brown is in the top five in usage in the league. And Omer Yurt 7, he's probably close there. I know on the bench, he probably ranks really high up. The only person who would probably battle him is Rob Edwards. But he got promoted to the starting unit. So he's the clear-cut number one option off that bench. And they just kind of sit down low. Yurt 7, not as much. He's out and about. But Moses Brown's grounded. And he was in the starting lineup for the majority of his games. And he likes dribbling inside. We've seen it before. He lives from the pick-and-roll scenarios. He has a great runner to him, so he likes going to that. But he's going to need help from the big man. So he needs those high ball screens to work with. And that allows for the driving dishes or just the runner so that aspect that stays strong the only thing was typically you know you're not going to go up when Moses Brown setting a screen you can't shoot the basketball let Moses Brown do whatever you're going to be right there with the ball handler and Ty Jerome and whenever Moses Brown's like skying over everyone you can just give it to him and he'll score contested anyways so you get freebie passes but what it does do is it, there's just constantly going to be a body in the paint. And that's not how it works with the OKC Thunder roster. Mike Muscala's outside and he at least gets attention from the defense. Like there's not going to be someone down low every play because Muscala is like a 40% three-point shooter. That's just terrible. Like a terrible decision for you to do that. And same with Roby. Not as good of a shooter, but if you leave him outside, he'll shoot it. And it's not like he's bricking every time. He has a pretty nice jump shot to him and you can give it to him and he's going to drive in on a center. He has all that momentum on him. So he's picking up a foul or just a finish on top of that. He's a great playmaker. So you can just dump it off anyways, but yeah, they're much different than pretty, pretty much just typical centers. You see in Moses Brown and Omer, you're at seven, they stretch it out and they kind of keep you on your feet at all times. And whenever that happens, that leads to a lot of drive and dish opportunities to the perimeter and a lot of looks right around the cup. So whenever you're inside, you're going to force that help. Whereas before with the blue, the help's already going to be there if you're crashing in. And it really just leaves one option, which is going to be Moses Brown. Because you have a two-on-two, and the three guys on the perimeter are going to be locked up for the most part. Unless, you know, Brown's on his usual tear where he's on like 25 points through three quarters. Then maybe you'll see him getting doubled and you can kick it to the corner. But that's not always what it was like. Whenever you're running with this normal Thunder unit, you see a lot more cutting. You see a lot more movement to hit people in their strides. And Ty Jerome's been amazing at that. In the fast break, he's very, very patient with things, and he always makes the right decision. So he'll slow down, and he'll just stop. Wait for a second man to go kick it right out, or even when he's moving around. I mean, he's looking across the court to hit the, hit the right guy. You didn't get many of those opportunities with the blue, and when you did get them, they were under much different circumstances. So I think that style of pace actually just benefited Jerome because he is more one of those guys that needs the 
like the room under the rim to kind of perform at his best and even shooting from the perimeter I think shooting kind of translated over because he was shooting damn near 30 foot jump shots in the G League and that's kind of what he's been doing with the Thunder and he's been shooting pretty solid from outside but I just don't see how anyone would be that scared of Jerome pulling up from 27 feet at the left wing three times a game until he proves himself and he's shooting qualities I think he shot like 38% in his last game on three of eight attempts so it's there but um I don't know I, I think that he has those open looks and it's just like normal for him so it's not like he has to adapt to the perimeter everything kind of just came down to how he was working down low and you know as a guard when you see free space your eyes are going to get huge you didn't see that with the blue you see it now pass it anytime you want and even you know, just hoist up shots. There's so much empty space. He even didn't even need to be dribbling. He got just, he just got handed the ball under the rim for a couple of his shots already. So that's why you see that from Jerome. And hopefully he keeps it going, playing a pivotal bench role until Diallo comes back. Once he does come back, you see how everything shapes out, but just ride it out. See how Jerome is and enjoy it while you can, because through two games, it has been very exciting to watch him work. Moving on to the games, though, you're going to be able to see Ty Jerome play his third game because the OKC Thunder are going up against the Dallas Mavericks tonight at 7.30. So, this game, you already know where to find it, Fox Sports Oklahoma, not on national television. You're never going to see these guys on national television. Just the sad truth of things right now. But, going up against the Mavs, Mavericks, they don't have their number one option and that is Luka Doncic they're 17 and 16 and they want to stay above the 500 mark because even right now their record isn't safe they're not in the playoff race really at all they're kind of just looking on the outside like they're kind of wavering from being in and out of the playoffs they need to get on a streak and without Luka that hurts them a ton so MVP candidate wipe them out who you got you got to look at Jalen Brunson to kind of just orchestrate your team. And he's one of the better backup point guards in the league. However, he's clearly not giving you what Luka does. I mean, Luka, I don't even know how tall he is, honestly. He's like, he's just huge for his position. And for what he gives you, he's pretty much a walking triple-double. And some of the shots he makes, just ridiculous. It would have been cool to see SGA go against Luka. But, you know, you'll take SGA versus Jalen Brunson. Because that's just going to be an easier matchup. Maybe not as exciting, but take anything you can get and a lot of these teams that we placed we played against like they just don't have their number one players or one of their all-stars you saw it with drew holiday not being with the bucks ad wasn't there whenever we had our baseball set against the um the lakers and then going up against portland they didn't have nurkic they didn't have mccollum they still took us i think in one of those two games but yeah not a lot of heavy duty guys you got to take advantage if you want the wins now is the perfect chance to get them Kristaps he's been playing solid but he's not 100% consistent right now so you know maybe you can use that to your advantage I know that Tim Hardaway Jr. has been pretty good for them this year he's averaging just over 16 points a game and they got Josh Richardson for Seth Curry which at the time I thought they just got a home run there curry's been great for the 76ers and it looks like josh richardson has helped out being that three and d 
presence for them. Off the bench, you know, even though you don't have Brunson there, who's great, you got Trey Burke, and, you know, you've seen him with Utah, seen him with the Knicks. He was crazy in his limited uh, stint there, but he can put up points on the board, so you can't sleep on the man. I don't know how, but he's kind of just found himself situated as a third-string guy. He definitely can play as a second stringer, and he gives you that Jordan Clarkson spark. So shut him down. That is going to be a necessity. When you look at our squad, though, Darius Baisley has been playing very, very solid. I think he had 18 um, two games ago and 22 in his last one. So clearly on a high note right now, keep it up. You see him kind of dip down a little bit. You got Dorian Finney-Smith on you, who's a good defender. But Darius Baisley, I think he's going to be able to get around Dorian Finney-Smith. And even from three, been a little bit off. I think he was one of five last time. But shoot it. If it starts going in, got him moving up on you. And that's when you start dribble driving. You got the kickouts or you got the dunk. You think Maxi Kleber is going to stop him? Absolutely not. So I like Darius Baisley. Hopefully, he's able to kind of have one of his more impactful games Two more games until the All-Star break. If he can play great tonight as well as tomorrow, oh man, you're looking at Darius Baisley, who's going to be a monster come next week whenever you start the second half of the season. Lou Dort wasn't shooting too well this past week. Same can be said with Horford and Maladon. They need to kind of tighten things up here because, you know, you're not just going to win simply off of SGA driving in when... You know, even though it's a great source of offense, if you're just directing all your attention towards him, defenses, you're going to be able to hinder him around. He'll still get his circus shots in, but you can't just depend on him whenever he's doubled and tripled the whole time. So you need that reinforcement here. And then even off the bench, like Ty Jerome, as, as mentioned, he's looked great. You need him. You need Mike Muscala. Isaiah Roby has been more versatile than probably ever so far. He had like a seven assist game I think not too long ago and you got Kenrich Williams who's been getting double digits off the bench really just off of cutting inside and he's probably your primary defender on the bench unit right now so keep him going you have Justin Jackson if needed bring him along I know he played the last one wasn't amazing from three but if you need the minutes you give it to him and kind of watch him work Diallo it was ruled that he's not playing in either this game or the next game so that's something for you I think you're going to need to look towards players such as Justin Jackson Darius Miller you don't really see him playing much I don't know if you'd ever look at him right now but hey get a chance you know Thunder I think they took an absolute thrashing to the Denver Nuggets get back on a high note win this one win your next one going into the all-star break you know you're going to be in a pretty strong case to move up I don't know if they want to do that. Uh, obviously, they want to win their games, though. I know as a fan, you you kind of are looking at the the draft picks most of these times when they play. But yeah, they're going to be pretty competitive here. If they can close it out against the Mavericks and then follow it up in tomorrow's game, they're going to be 16-20 and 20 moving into All-Star Weekend. And with not that hard of a second-half schedule, could they even reach 500 again? That would be crazy if they somehow did that because that looked like a near-impossible feat not too long ago but moving on to another feat talk about the Oklahoma City Blue they are 
the top team in the G League who have not clinched a playoff spot so far. They need a win today. If they can end up defeating the Raptors 905, they have punched their ticket into the playoffs. Eight teams are making this bad boy. And there are only three remaining spots left. Five teams have clinched already. Need to win. Must win. You have them. You have the Santa Cruz Warriors. That's your closer. But you got the Erie Bayhawks stuffed in the middle. They're 10-3 now, so they lost. Santa Cruz, they're still on fire. So they're tied for 1-2 and two in the league. You got those two demons to face. And the Raptors 905 with a win would actually advance up to the top tier at that 10-3 spot. So you gotta shut them down. Luckily for the OKC Blue, they have Moses Brown back in the rotation. Didn't have him. Omer Yurt 7 was amazing in their previous game, but they still fell short. So you get him. You think Raptors 905 can kind of stop Moses Brown? Good luck. Have fun against Omer Yurt 7. You got double trouble here. Two of the top five centers in this league, undisputedly. You can kind of mark where you want to place them in that top five, but they're clearly top five competitors here. Raptors 905, though, they have some good people to kind of match up against um, both of them, honestly. Henry Ellenson got drafted by the Pistons, kind of was a complete wash. He's found himself over here with the Raptors, and he's the only center outscoring Moses Brown right now. I think it's by like 0.3 points. He's averaging 20.6. Brown's averaging 20.3, but you need to lock him up. And the big deal, he can shoot threes. He can stretch it out. Moses Brown struggled big time against probably the only other stretch big so far. That was in Delaware's Paul Reed. He had 35. Can't have Ellenson blow his gasket off in this game. And you also have Dewan Hernandez, who, if you guys don't remember, he actually was a summer league star. Like, he came in, I think it was out of Miami or something, and his stock just got shot up. I don't remember if it was the Miami Heat or the Raptors, but someone offered him like a two-way contract or an actual full-scale deal. I don't know if he's on that anymore, but there was a real reason he got interest. It's because down low, he can really compete for you and he can shut it down. So he's not a shooter from deep. You don't have to worry about that really, but interiorly, yeah, he can he can kind of clamp you. We'll, we'll have to see kind of how... The Raptors want to scheme around both these guys since they do have Hernandez and Ellenson. Ellenson's not that big, so I don't think physically he matches up with either of them. Hernandez, that's more of a deal where maybe he can. Dante Hall, who... Thunder, I mean the blue, my bad. They actually played him already with the G League Ignite, and he beasted. He's on a 10-day contract with the Raptors. He could be playing in this game if the Raptors 905 wanted him to. He's already played three games, so slide him in. He can do work. He is probably one of the gems of the G League. I actually liked him. I think in my free agency episode a while ago, I, I mentioned his name briefly. There's always kind of this like Christian Wood type of player, just an athletic beast at the four or five who no one looks at. That's Dante Hall, and this man is strong. So he backs it up. Whenever he's up against Brown, Brown actually outbodied him. So that's a plus. But he can kind of move around with his own weight. So he's a pretty tough guy 
to go through. Outside of that, you have Elise Johnson. He played for the Pacers for a little bit. Gary Payton II has had some breakout games with the Raptors this season, so cannot let him do anything. You got Malachi Flynn too, Matt Mooney. I know they are some pretty quality players as well, so this is a very stacked team. OKC, they have a stacked team. Clashes against the best of the best, but you need to pretty much just close this one out now, and you know, it's, it's going to be a scary situation because of just how everything has shaped up. They do own some tiebreakers, and the big one that we were monitoring was the G League Ignite. They lost their game today, so they have slid down to 7-6. and six. If they were at 7-5, and five, oh my gosh, it would be dangerous. And if they won their game and we lost, they'd actually take us over for the number 6 seed in the league. So they lose, that's great. Looking outside, you got Rio Grande. You beat them. Westchester Knicks, one of two teams you don't play this season. Fort Wayne, they're eliminated. You don't have to worry about them. But the Long Island Nets, they're still here. And same with the Agua Caliente Clippers because they have the tiebreaker over us. So you need to get the W's now. Get it now. Forget about this. Rest Moses Brown. Rest Pokachevsky. I don't care. You can have anyone you want playing out there. Give Coach Gibbs a shot. Just win this game and get ready for the playoffs. This is not a surefire thing. None of these upcoming three games are surefire, but they need to hit on one to make it. Do it tonight and you're good to go. Get ready for the playoffs. You got a ton of just electrifying pieces. Don't let this go to waste. Do not pass this season up these are some real competitors here and you can get a championship with this roster can't get ahead of yourself though address the first situation and then look on i know that's something everyone's probably been spoken to by gibbs they had a very good hot start dropped a lot of these uh games lately just cap it off don't worry and move on all right. Yeah, and you and luckily, you know, if they do get do get this win, you pretty much get two tryout games against the best of the best in Santa Cruz and Erie. So, you work around that and you get the scouting necessary, but as mentioned, can't say, you know, it's a done deal here. So, wrap it up and you're good. Do that. We're going to be okay. Don't know the status of Josh Hall right now. Don't know if he's playing. Melvin Frazier Jr. didn't play in the last one. As I said, though, Brown's here, so that's the main piece you're talking about. Just make sure, you know, you're able to match up well. I think it's a good matchup and probably should be a close game. Going to be really fun to see this. And you already know, all these next three teams, they're going to be going full throttle. They're not going to be resting anybody. They don't want to face the OKC Blue in round one because they know how dangerous they are. So get one. Keep it moving. That's my, that's kind of my theory here. If I haven't already restated it 10 times. But yeah, that's what you're looking at. Great team. Got to get the results though. Anyways though, guys, I'm going to be back tomorrow to recap these games. Probably have another story for you all. So I hope you all listen to that episode. Other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.